A toast to Kevin Sistrom and Mike Krieger, the co-founders of Instagram, without whom none of this crap would have gone down. <laughs> Kevin and Mike. To Kevin and Mike. Cheers. Cheers to that is a podcast dedicated to the deep questions of life that only a creative franchise like The Bachelor can inspire. Steph and J-Jack explore the stories, the drinks, and the bingo card-inducing drama on Cheers to That. Cheers! Okay, it's the last episode of the season, which means we got one more cocktail to talk about. Obviously, not a lot of drinking going on in this last episode, so I just wanted to give a shout-out to the official cocktail of Mexico, because it's September, and September 14th is Mexican Independence Day. That's right, it's not May 5th, you barbarian. It's September 14th. Uh, And so we want to celebrate Mexico, uh, a land of rich heritage. The birthplace of our favorite spirit in this household, or in this casa, if you will. (laughs) Tequila. But it's also the home away from home for all these walking dumpster fires we've been watching all summer. Um, And so I want to talk about the Paloma, or La Paloma. Go ahead and just check it out in the show notes. I'm going to leave a video link that's going to talk all about it from someone actually from Mexico, and he's going to share some of his family stories around the drink. You're going to love it. In case you haven't had it yet, it's a, a combination of tequila, a pinch of salt, fresh lime, and some refreshing grapefruit soda. Very simple drink. It's becoming very popular, especially around here in the southeast, because um, it's a drink. It's very hard to mess up, and it's delicious. So check it out in the show notes at SoundCloud.com/slash/Cheers to that podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, we have come to the end of a very long and harrowing and drama-filled season. I, I feel like past seasons of BIP were mostly fun, mostly running around drunk, swimming in pools. I feel like this was more backbiting. This was a very confrontational season across the board. And it's not that there haven't been confrontations. I mean, there definitely are every season. I mean, I just think about like back when Dean had his Hitler youth haircut and he had his ill-advised love triangle with Danielle L and Christina. I mean, there was a lot of drama and that that was confrontational. I think it's pronounced Daniello. (laughs) Daniello. Um, it was, you know, there's always dramas like that, but this one felt very like, let me call you out Mm. with men, with several people and on many occasions throughout the whole season, rather than it just being like one or two isolated incidents. Whatever, like when, like I think it was season one or season two, I forget when the, the big controversy was that Joe had met with one of the other chicks with Samantha, Samantha. Uh, before and that was like this big thing and then this and then this season you have Blake hooking up with basically half the cast before the season aired and I, I feel like that's like what kind of set the tone for the entire summer and ostensibly Christina plotting revenge against him and Kaylin kind of premeditating how she's going to respond I mean there was a lot of like kind of meta stuff going on here like a lot of a lot of context to it that has not been the case on this show other times it was definitely you definitely felt the uh, the presence of social media and the the influence of like Bachelor Nation and Bachelor World creeping into 
this particular product because of everything that goes on before, after, and during um, the filming. It's not just about the what happens in the filming. Yeah, so this weird kind of multi-platform situation happening, which, which we'll discuss in our in our in our deep dive discussion. But um, you know, there's only one episode to cover this week, which was refreshing for us because we're we're pretty exhausted. But it was basically two episodes in one. We have uh, the the rounds of proposals followed by a very intense, very action-packed return at the soundstage in L.A. Um, so I think we need to get into a rapid recap. Rapid recap. So rapid recap. This means there's no need to check out the other recap shows. These are the only things you need to know if you missed this last episode of the season. So, number one. Uh, this is really funny. Nicole breaks the whole myth that they've been on the show for weeks and weeks when she says, you changed my life in just a month, i.e. they've only known each other for just a month. Yeah, and she may have been embellishing. I'm pretty sure it's three weeks. All right, so number two. Speaking of Nicole, um, super mean editing. Uh, I that was, I thought it was really mean how they were doing a super cut of like all the other couples making out in their rooms while she's like crying under fireworks. Yeah, I mean, at least she gets to cry pretty. I guess that's the only advantage she has going for her in that situation is that it's like illuminated and, you know, she gets to look picturesque in her tragic sadness. All right, number three, Dylan pulls quite the Aladdin during his proposal. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? A whole new world. Don't you dare close your eyes. A hundred thousand things to see. A hundred thousand Instagram followers. Ah, what a dream. Okay, so. What a a wish fulfilled. (laughs) Uh, Number four. This is really funny. Hannah G says it's really important for her to have her dad's blessing, but uh, immediately recants it. Cool, that's fine. Uh, will you marry me anyway? Okay, cool, great. I mean, if you're going to propose now, though, like, <laughs> we can work with this timeline. He'll understand. Number five, we know Christian deserves love because she's willing to trudge through the sand in those stilettos for Demi. She was risking it all. Rolled ankles, plantar fasciitis, <laughs> torn ACLs, all the things. All right, number six, after weeks, we finally get the Demi laugh again. It's been a long time. Uh, number seven uh, back in the studio dean is wearing a bolo tie that's it full stop a bolo tie Uh, number eight uh, according to jordan instagram is a dating app now and don't you don't have to answer that you don't have to answer that man anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of the internet (laughs) all right and uh okay so i just have to admit this i'm not i'm not i'm not trying to be a perv and i know i'm i'm on a podcast with my wife here, but uh, number nine, Taj's boobs take up the shot in every single frame. I'm like, uh, boobs, uh, want to listen to this? But, uh, bo-. yeah. I, I did notice this. <laughs> it was very distracting. It's it's not my fault. Um, number 10, you should act civilized. This is a TV show. A TV show, guys. This is art. Did you see how Chris Harrison started laughing as soon as she said that? <laughs> Yeah, he's he's just laughing all the way to the bank. I mean, he's this does not impact him and his leisure pursuits at all. He's going straight to the golf course after that. Uh, number 11, it's totally normal to fly all the way to someone's house in Alabama just to say hi. Yeah, it was totally innocent, you guys. You know, like $400 later. Yeah, we just, we just had a cup of coffee. Uh, number 12, 
For being on the show for such a short time, Jordan sure has a lot to say about everyone else's business on the show. Yeah, he was a really, he honestly was a really good narrator, but uh, that seems to have rolled over into taking responsibility for deciding what everyone should do, can do, and uh, is authorized to do as he deems fit. Thanks, Jordan. Uh, Number 13, uh, Blake gives the longest non-apologetic apology ever in Bachelor Nation. I'm so sorry you feel this way. Thanks, Blake. (laughs) Uh, Number 14, Goose looks awful. He really does. What happened? It's like a hair transplant, a hair dye, some Botox, some makeup. It's he, just, it's a very vampiric look he, he has going. He looked sickly, like he, he was he had a like a, a a a worm eating all of his food inside of him. Or like we're at or suddenly at like a really underwhelming exhibit at Madame Tussauds, and it's the wax figure of of Chris. I guess I don't know. We didn't say much, so maybe it was a wax figure. I don't know. Perhaps so. Or maybe it was just pallor and uh, anxious glistening from being in such close proximity to toddlers. He was like, no, 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 no. (laughs) We have dogs. Dogs. That's it. All right. Number 15. uh, Jade is a total champ. To Jade, man. Like extra toast. And, you know, God bless you, Tanner, for for being on standby. Cheers to that. Uh, number 16, uh, Wells in a onesie is the best. It's a DJ. <laughs> Moving on, though, number 17. Oh, we're so surprised that you, Tasha, went to Maryland. Uh, we're so surprised. In fact, we've already had you mic'd, and there's already a camera crew waiting for you there. Yeah, nothing gets past these Bachelor producers. I mean, they're, they're quick on the uptake. Uh, number 18, we get yet again another lesson in love languages, this time from Chris B. and Katie. Yeah, words of affirmation are not Crispy's love language. I think we all learned this. Number 19. Whew, what a relief. Dylan is still definitely the blanket from Brave Little Toaster. Hi, Hannah. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Number 20. Uh, it seems like back in the studio, the audience received a Men in Black style flash in the face and were told, oh, by the way, Nicole and Clay don't exist. Yeah, um, we didn't even get so much as a smug grin from Angela that would communicate, told you so. That would have been nice. Yeah, they are auspiciously not present that entire time. But finally, number 21, here come all the windmill references. We can only hope that Pilot Pete raises the status of windmills to unprecedented heights here in America. (sighs) All right, well, that is the rapid recap, the final rapid recap of the season. Now let's do a deep dive into the discussion questions for the week. Okay, so um, let's start with the uh, first one, not nearly as charged as some of these other topics, but um, uh, let's just kind of do kind of a final assessment on the Nicole and Clay narrative. Personally, I might be the only guy on earth who actually sides more and empathizes more with Clay than Nicole when it comes to this. Um, and my reasons are, are this. We forget they're not on the beach for three months like they want you to think. They're on the beach for three to four weeks. And 
it just seems like and, and and there's a there's a parallel with Katie and Chris B, which I'll which I'll talk about later. But like it seems like Nicole just really really wants this to be it. She wants the story. She wants the happily ever after on the beach story. And Clay is thinking, Clay, if if we're getting into Enneagram, which we'd love to geek out about in a later episode, Clay looks like a six to me, and he's thinking about like the risks involved and like, I want to know for sure. I want to be a hundred percent sure before I say yes or before I get engaged. And he's saying to Nicole at the end of there, like, I want to be with you. I don't want to break up. I just don't want to get engaged right now. And she's giving him this kind of false, like a, a false dilemma that he has to decide right now or never. And I don't think it's a very realistic expectation i i mean i feel bad for her but i feel ultimately it was about i want to have the story too like that couple does well it's really tricky because you go into this situation knowing that the the structure of the show is kind of setting you up for an ultimatum so if you are kind of trucking along and checking off all of these milestones along the way like Yes, we want to be official. Yes, we're going to go to the boom boom room. Yes, we're going to go on a date. And yes, we're going to give each other roses. And yes, we're going to go to fantasy suites. That does communicate that things are moving along to the conclusion of we're going to get engaged. And so it's not insane that she would think that based on following along the narrative as it's been set up with these kind of like checkpoints in place, you know, like it's not... She's not crazy to think that that's where they were headed. Um, mm-hmm. It is crazy under like any other circumstances ever. <laughs> like right. it's crazy that you would get engaged after three weeks. Yeah. But she's just trying to follow the rules, and he is he is trying to make it more like real life. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. So just kind of playing devil's advocate and basically contradicting myself. You hear the opposite of how we get together in America and you hear about stories about like Pakistani families and Indian families and how basically their marriages were arranged by their parents. And you hear a lot of stories about basically by having this decision made, basically there's a decisions already made. Now we need to make the best of the situation. You know, of course those are, those are cultures that are much more communal. They're not, they don't put as much emphasis on the individual like a lot of other Western countries do. So they're thinking more, a little more along the lines of family and duty than we do. However, you hear stories that make you think, oh, once this the decision is made, there is a sense of clarity that comes from that. And I don't have to think about who do I want anymore. I think about now I'm in this situation with this other person. How are we going to do this together, you know? And so part of me goes, well, I think Nicole is at fault for pressuring Clay to kind of go down this narrative that he wasn't ready for. But then there's also something I think very freeing going, Hey, what the hell? Let's do this. I think for every single guy, there's always the, this kind of FOMO, this risk of like, if I say yes to this, then maybe something better might come along that I'll have to say no to later, which is very, it's very ugly, but it's, but it's, it's very true. Like all guys think that. And I think there's just something very freeing. I think Clay would experience because you know what? Like she loves me. She's committed to this. Let's just go for it. I, I I feel like I can go both ways on this. Yeah. And I kind of can too, because I start thinking about how seemingly Nicole is going into this, having been single for a while. I mean, she, the last thing, I mean, we don't know her dating situation between Colton season and this, but she was 
most likely single. She was supposed to be single when she went on Colton season. And so if she's been single, if she was single on Colton season and she's been single since, then she's been single for a while. Um, And so she's pretty free and pretty like open. Um, Clay is coming off of, you know, three months after an eight month relationship that was very serious. And so he's probably just not in the right headspace to get engaged. And that doesn't, that's no fault of Nicole's or even really of his. It's just like, hey, let's just pump the brakes a little bit. I still need some time to heal. And I mean, it, it, it goes back a little bit. I hate to, I hate to give much credence to this, but it does kind of harken back to what Annalise was saying about like, I don't think you're in a really good space to be dating right now or like dating in this I mean the subtext of that may have been dating in this format that is inevitably supposed to lead to engagement and she was right because while Nicole was in a position that she was open to that and it would have probably worked out fine uh for her it's it's probably not a great idea for him to be launching into that when it's sort of like dating the accelerated version on Bachelor in Paradise, so right, but then it just makes kind of wonder why why did he go on the show in the first place? Like, do you, do you know what the show's about? Like, yeah, that's what she was critiquing, and that's why she was saying like, "Hey, you need to be really careful." And she did it in kind of a ham fisted way, and it came off really awkwardly. But she was she was kind of right. Mm-hmm. And it, I just it's just really strange to me why they just weren't they flat out were not there or mentioned at all during the in studio session. Like, where did like they're part of, I wonder if they just basically had too much to go over and they're like, no, 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 we need to have an interview with Jaden Tanner first. And that takes precedence over reviewing Clay and Nicole. And I just, I just found that really awkward and bizarre. Yeah. The only mention we got of Clay was that he didn't get into a physical altercation with Christian, whereas Jordan did over a pinata. And it was like, this is what you want to focus on? Really? Yeah. And they, like we have security guards here, and it's just it's just so weird. Look at them; they don't smile, and they cross their arms over their chests. They mean business. So there's one kind of small comment I want to make that's not really a big point of discussion. But you're you you have a master's in English, so I know you notice these things more than I do. But this happened in an ITN with Hannah, and she said it before in the episode prior, and I just think it's really annoying. She says. I'd be lying if I said I didn't want to spend the rest of my life with Dylan. I think it's the most awkward. It's like trying to sound smart, but it's like, I'd be lying if I said I didn't want to. It's it's like, it's almost like a double negative. It's like, why don't you just say, I want to spend the rest of my life or like, yeah, it just. Yeah, that's just trying to be rhetorically stylish. She's, she is saying I do want to spend the rest of my life with Dylan. And I hope you appreciate the fact that I emphasize do, because that's what they usually, that's that's how they usually say it on The Bachelor is. I, I do. I wanna. do love you. I am falling in love with you. Um, and it's just, <laughs> it's a little quirk of this show that's kind of funny. But um, she, it it comes off sounding more more witty. It's like when people say, like when people inject the words myself or personally or something like that to give a little bit more oomph to whatever they're saying. Like I personally, I think this, it's like, well, who else would you be talking for? You know, (laughs) or, uh, or I myself think this, it's like, well, yeah, okay. We know it's yourself. Like you could just say, I think this. So yeah, it's just, it's just her trying to sound a little bit more 
fancy in the way that she says it, I think. What we're saying is, guys, take some rhetorical lessons from us. Don't use dumb words or extra syllables like ear regardless. Um, You'll sound smarter. You'll get that promotion. You'll win that girl because you listen to us. So you're welcome. Unless you're talking about something that is regardless of your ear. (laughs) Because irregardless is not a word. Look it up. All right, it's that time again. Our last bingo session of the season. I almost won. Maybe you did. Maybe you had better luck than I did. Uh, Here are the squares that got crossed off this last bingo session of the season. Chris Harrison says, dramatic. Literally at the very beginning of the show, a successful proposal in Mexico. The first one was Katie and Chris B. Of course, we have more to talk about than that. Uh, Sobs, uh, Katie, during that proposal... Cussing bleeped out. That's right after the Demi proposal. Uh, tries to get audience to applaud with speech. Basically, someone who who talks with the sole intent of getting a round of applause for their great speech. Uh, that was Demi uh, saying to act civilized because you're on a TV show uh, to Jordan and Christian. Not that Christian. Not her Christian. The boy Christian. That's right. The angry Christian mentions stagecoach that's the first time was hannah talking about blake with taisha verbal altercation uh you remember it's uh christian and jordan misuse english and mentions instagram at the same time that's two squares uh jordan says breaking the ground and mentions instagram in a speech about how people have been hooking up before taping he meant to say breaking new ground not breaking the ground backstage staff out in front Uh, That interesting, weird pre-shooting scene before the winning couples segment, after the the Blake confrontation. Past successful couple mentioned. uh, Chris Harrison, when welcoming all the past successful couples. Kisses in front of audience. uh, That's JPJ and Taysha while in the hot seat. Talks about children. Chris Harrison, while talking about that harrowing story in the closet with Jaden Tanner during that surprise birth. That lady is a boss. That was amazing. An audience member shaking head in disapproval. Uh, This happened when Chris B. says that he can be the man that Katie needs. (laughs) Obviously, that audience member was not convinced. (laughs) Uh, And finally, last square of the night, uh, proposal in L.A. studio. Uh, Christian proposes to Demi because once wasn't enough, I guess. She needed a ring, too. All right, so that's all that we caught. Did we forget anything? Did we miss anything? Did you win? Let us know in the show notes. Let us know on Instagram, and uh, we'll salute you. Uh, Until next time, happy bingo, everybody. All right, so it's time to, to address... One of the, the hot button issues of this week, and that's um, uh, Katie and Chris B. So if you look at the if you look at the arc as a whole, it, it's no surprise how it kind of ended in this weird, awkward climax situation in the studio because it's basically it feels like it's been her talking him off the ledge slash telling him how to be a boyfriend the entire time. It's like why why do you want to be with someone who you basically have to coach through how to love you the entire time? And then they have that awkward conversation, which we'll get into, but then it culminates in, the, in this really um, weird, raw, uncut confrontation in the back of the studio lot 
where he says he's he's feeling um, put on the spot and blindsided. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, he, he was definitely at fault in, in that situation. But it's like you literally called him into the studio to be on national television to tell him he's a bad boyfriend. He didn't yeah. know he didn't know what was coming. I'm like I, the whole time I was thinking he knew what was coming, but he didn't even know what was coming. Yeah, the whole thing to me smacked of producer intervention and, or pr- producer machinations, yeah. and also kind of emphasized how young Katie is in comparison to Chris. I can't remember their ages, but they there's definitely an age gap there, and he is. He is over 30 and she is under 30. And that over under is significant in this regard because, Mm -hmm. first of all, producer intervention, they held him backstage and I guess didn't let him see what was going on. Mm. And he came out and he just sort of looked like deer in the headlights. Like, what's what's the matter? Like, what's going on? Which was super unfair. That was, I agree with him. I would feel blindsided too. I would feel, or, you know, whatever word you want to put on it. I mean, Katie was so knocked over by the, by the phrase blindsided, because I guess it is bandied about quite a lot on this, uh, mm-hmm. this franchise, but whatever you want to say, he felt, uh, t- he was taken by surprise. He really was. Cause he was like, I thought we were just going to talk about our relationship and like be happy and, you know, present like, you know, a smiling face about our engagement, which yes, it would, it would be a little disingenuous, but she did not prepare him. They did not prepare him to go into it saying like, this has been really hard. It's been a struggle. Let's work things out in front of everybody. And I mean, I'm not like saying that he is innocent in this at all, but that that's still not fair. And also it emphasizes how young Katie is because this whole drama of like her giving her ring to the security guy and like mm. just making the spectacle out of it and making it this big dramatic plot point felt very, very staged, very contrived. And it felt like something that a young woman, a very young woman would do to kind of get attention. And it just was not a great look. It was like, why don't you... If you're gonna if you're gonna go out without a ring on, like make it because you're not engaged anymore. If you're gonna come out and say, like, oh well we're we're still engaged, but I need to hash this out in front of a big crowd of people and look hot in my sparkly mini dress and have everybody like compliment me. Right. It just came off very immature to me and it came off very like attention seeking. And I, I don't know, I thought better of Katie than that, and it just it wasn't a great look at all. Yeah, and it's like we're going to basically solve this entire relationship over a five-minute interview. Like, is that really what you were expecting? And it was set up with these very specific conditions where it was like Chris Harrison was like, do you want to be in this? Like, he had to be the arbiter somehow. It was very, like, it just felt very staged. Like, do you want to be in this? Okay, well, therefore, you guys will move forward. Polly, the ring, you know, and like... Engagement reinstated. Chris Harrison intervened. Problem solved. Solution found. And on to the next thing. And on to the next thing. And it just, it felt very, very unfair to Chris. And especially when Chris Harrison points at him and goes, be better. It's like, okay, Chris Harrison, you're not a marriage and family therapist. You are not a physician. You are not a 
a judge. Like it just felt, it felt like an overstep of him telling them what to do in their relationship. And it just, it felt, it felt inappropriate. Let's be honest. Yeah. So, so that, that covers like Katie's fault in this. I, I think Crispy does crispy <laughs> crispy, mm, crispy delicious mm. crispy cream crispy uh crispy he does look creamy mm, and crispy so um chris definitely has a part to play in this too in that he just clams up and i, I think there's there's definitely a, a shadow of the nicole and clay situation where you have the woman who's just coming on very strong like her mind is made up like i love you we're in this and she's moving much much faster i should i should know love so deep that the ocean is jealous <laughs> that was amazing That's stupid poor girl man uh that it's was like what you saw on your facebook wall when in 2004 yeah. you know when it was like didn't look like a twitter feed and somebody writes like You've been hit by the beautiful truck. You should experience love so deep the ocean would be jealous. And it's got a bunch of like roses made out of like at symbols and hyphens. Yeah. Ocean. Yeah. So, but okay, that's Nicole. Uh, But like, but you know, Katie's, her mind is made up basically. And uh, Chris is moving at a much slower pace. And so there's that, but then there's, so they're not, they're not on the same footing and they never were uh, as far as I can tell on that show. But then, now you have this whole love languages thing. So let's let's review the love languages. There there are, there are five according to this book, uh, which which I do agree with. Uh, you have words of affirmation. You have physical touch. You have uh, quality time. You have acts of service. Oh, and you have and then finally you have gifts. So meaning like material gifts. Material right? gifts. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like presents. Presents or like I bought I take you out to dinner or that kind of thing. Um. And so it's it's so blatant. I've never seen a more verbal affirmation oriented person in my life because literally he'll say something like something just like banal, like you're amazing, which is, you know, that's how we described the latte we had for breakfast, you know, and and she'll just go like she'll like she'll she'll like bloom like a flower. And then and then she'll say he I'm I'm telling him all the say all the things and he's not telling them back to me you'll tell everyone else how great i am but you won't tell me how great i am and and i feel like there's there's two things happening at once there's the fact that she's not receiving love in a way that she's attuned to which is which by the way the language she uses for that we know it's the five love languages book specifically because she says my tank is empty yeah and there's a lot of language about oh your your love tank you know you empty it by giving to others but it needs to be filled by receiving from others so mm-hmm. she specifically used that uh, analogy of a of like a gas tank and she so. probably she probably read that book and go that's it that's what i need but um yes yeah, so i am a i actually am a verbal affirmation person so like I, I i totally understand how she feels like this just kind of internal voice saying you know you're loved by that person because they tell you they they love you and someone else might say you know you're loved by that person because they want to spend time with you or whatever it is. Um, and so it's valid that she doesn't feel loved because she's not getting it in a way she's responsive to. But I'm I'm imagining Chris probably is trying to show love in another way. Maybe he's showing love by being like, look, I made sure that, that there was always gas in the tank. Or look, I 
made us a nice dinner that night or look i've i fixed the sink you know or whatever like he might he might or be he more might of even a, be a quality time guy i mean he spent a lot of time with her on that beach yeah. and so maybe he was just like just being together is what i want like and yeah that's how i know i'm i'm preferring you i'm choosing you over other people to spend time with so that shows that i value you more than them so it's basically what it all comes down to me is like basically they're 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 sending all these signals and they're not receiving the signals properly and it's been this way the entire time and it's like look guys like this is kind of my philosophy on on relationships is like unless you're married to someone unless you've like made vows in front of like god in your community like you can just break up with someone. It's okay. You don't have to be with someone if you don't want to, or if it's not working. I, I wish they would have just broken up. But uh, who am I? Who am I? But it's like neither one of them looked very happy, and I can't help but feel like if Nicole and Clay went down the same path, if it would have been exactly like what's happened with Chris and and Katie. Um, I don't know. I will say I saw an article saying that. There was some post, I think it was by Chris B. When they were watching the finale, they were posting about like, oh, relationships are hard, but we're here eating pizza together and making sure that we, you know, love each other and the, and, and we communicate in the way that we need to communicate. And like, so they're, they're making an effort. They are continuing on. And so, you know, good luck, guys. Like, we're, we're <laughs> officially, we're rooting for you. It's, there's nothing so terrible that was said that can't be overcome. You just have to be sensitive to what other people need. And like, it's not about raising a, a dead relationship from the grave just for the sake of like sticking to your guns. But if you really do have, you know, the, the elements of a good relationship there, you can work through that and, and you don't have to give up on it just because, you've had some challenging moments of communication. Everybody has that. It's just figuring out when it's, uh, as in the words of Woody Allen in one of my favorite movies of all time, Annie Hall, you have to figure out if uh, what we have on our hands is a dead shark. (laughs) Well, it's just like, look, in that entire interview, it's like, hey, relationships are hard. We're not perfect. Nothing's perfect. But and it's just constantly like, no, no, they're not. Relationships are not hard. Like, you have spats here and there, but it's not like this chore, like, oh, my relationship is so hard. Like, if it's so hard, then get out. It's not supposed to be a, a, a chore. Yeah, I guess that's my point that I was trying to get to, that it's all about your motive. If your motive is just like, well, we said we were going to do this, and so we need to, we can't, we can't give up on this. We have to keep fighting just be like because of the principle of the thing or whatever. That's not necessary. If your relationship is making you miserable, then get out of it. If you're not, you know, legally tied to somebody, that that's another thing. But if you have to work through some things because on the other side of that, it really does bring you happiness and fulfillment, then you just have to keep pace with your feelings and your communication and make sure that your heart's in the right place, that it's not just like an ego thing. Like, well, I never give up on anything and I fight for things, even though it's not worth saving. Just, yeah, make sure it's not a dead shark. I think a lot of people stick with relationships because if this one doesn't pan out, there's nothing else after that. And that's a very common idea if you're in your 20s because you don't have a lot of success under your belt so you have to keep this one alive otherwise there isn't anything else i I think 
that I think they are a dead shark. Sorry. Um, I, I want them both to be happy. Uh, I hope they're never on the show again because they've already found love somewhere else. But we'll, we'll see. Uh, seventh time is the charm for uh, Crispy. To Crispy and his seventh attempt at love. Cheers. Crispy seven. Okay, moving on. Um, we got to get to the, 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 the juicy, delicious um, morsel for the evening. And that is the, the final take on the Blake down. Uh, there's actually quite a few things that this whole situation conjured up that I want to go over. Uh, so, so Blake ends up in the hot seat and he's being interviewed by Chris Harrison because of what went down with stagecoach, seeing Hannah G in Alabama on a week before taping, uh, sleeping with Christina, sleeping with Kaylin and, and just all that stuff. And, Oh, man, I, I, I went through kind of a cycle of emotions for the guy as the interview went on because I felt bad for him, kind of, because like I've said several times on the show, in a way, there's no difference between what he did and what Demi did. She had basically a girlfriend back home and minimized it so she can go on the show and make out with Derek for a week or two and then basically have the show change the narrative for her uh, mid-season. Um, and so I, I feel like he was being maybe wrongly villainized in, in all of this and just being just being kind of irresponsible but not being mean. But then when it got to the situation where they start talking about the texts um, and how he posted them on Instagram – and Kaylin says something really scary. Kaylin says, I've never felt more violated in my life. And we all know that she said a very uh, traumatic uh, sexual assault uh, back in college that she had shared on Colton season. And so when she says that, and we know that that violation was also part of her background, it's like, whoa, that's, that's quite a statement. And so something that got posted on social media becomes center stage in this, in this episode and it brings up a lot of questions to me. So, so, so first and for, foremost, uh, I'd love to dive into kind of Blake's version of 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 the the events and how his motive for posting that private text, and and just kind of what he thought about it. So here are the texts that he shared. The first one is an exchange where Kaylin says, "Okay, I'm coming." He says, "No, lol." She says. Dude. He says, dude. <laughs> she says, it's fine. Chill. It'll be good. He says, no, that's what they all say. She says, come on, loosen up. He says, don't tell me to chill. Four cry laughing emojis. Okay. She says, let's just have a good time, man. He says, again, that's what you all say. She says, I just ordered an Uber. He says, hashtag L-I-R, hashtag liar. He was correcting a spelling. Uh-huh. Then she says, I'm not. Then the next one is, she says, I'm sleeping in the shower. Okay, I like it in there. He says, it unlocked. We can cuddle, but no sex. She says, yes, sex. Only sex. He says, I have willpower. She says, 
no cuddling, ha, lies, and he says, all caps, willpower. She says, yo, we both know that's not true. He says, I know you when you get a little alcohol in you. Woo, Blake, that's not great. Thanks. Um, and finally, the third exchange is, she says, say it, I dare you. He says, nope, I'm a gentleman. She says, that is very false. He sends a kiss face emoji. She says, if I come over, it's strictly for sex. Nothing more, nothing less. He says, that's what they all say. She says, I'm just trying to be honest, you know? So. Hmm. Hmm. So so he posts that because basically um, up to that point, the production, the, the all the ITMs, everything was basically pointing in the direction that Blake was um, a player and and misleading the women and taking advantage of them. And that he was somehow coercive in this situation and he like tricked her or manipulated her somehow into sleeping with him and then dumped her, which mm-hmm. he was so afraid that that would tarnish his image and was very dead set on proving incontrovertibly that that's not him. So that was his intention with posting those texts online is to go, look, dude, she's complicit in this too. She was kind of um, aggressive. She was sexually aggressive in this. Um, and what's what's weird about it is like I, I get his logic. I get why he did that. But then just listening to you share that, which by the way, it sounds like, like one of those skits from like junior high where it's like, how does this person uh, overcome this temptation? You know? <laughs> Yes, you were with my brother, IDK. We should go to the store. End scene. (laughs) So there's this, it's pretty obvious there's this line crossed when he posts those online and then Kaylin starts getting a bunch of heat from other people on social media, which we can talk about that. That's a whole separate issue there. But when basically the entire cast is on the stage saying, look, dude, you need to apologize and he kind of gives that kind of like, I'm sorry you felt that way, that kind of non-apology BS that we all, you know, expected. Um, ah, man, it's it's tough. Cause I, 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 I feel for him, but like, I, I feel like, man, you really screwed up. I, but I, but I, um, I don't know. I'm probably going to get no love here for, for even being at all gracious to Blake because everyone wants to hate Blake right now. But like, I feel bad because I know exactly why he did it i get i get the logic i totally get the logic yeah but you run into the issue that happens in so much of communication interpersonally where perception is reality and his perception is his reality in a sense that you know the most important thing is i mean he even said it in that text exchange i'm a gentleman he's very very into and very conscious of his brand, his, his personal brand. brand. Yeah, he's very conscientious about the way that he comes across. And so that was like a huge threat to it for him to be, you know, talked about. I mean, that's the first time he breaks down or Blake's down on the, nice. the beach was, thank you, was when he was like, this is going to get back to my family. They're all going to, you know, my family and friends are all going to get heat about this and they're all going to be disappointed in me. And he's just really, really torn up about it. And, mm. That's because it's very clear that so much of his 
self-image is wrapped up in what other people think about him and, and like the image that he's putting out into uh, into the public. And But at the same time, you have Kaylin and what she was successfully or unsuccessfully trying to communicate. And I read that and I hear a woman who's kind of defensively joking a little bit with him. Mm-hmm. And that may not have been what was happening, but... You could definitely make a case for her saying, like, oh, come on. If I come over, it's just for sex. Like, I, I, I know what's up. Like, I know I know how you are. Like, I know I'm not I'm not deceived. I'm not fool. I'm not kidding myself. Like, I know what this is about. You could read it that way where her she's kind of protecting herself and saying, like, don't think I'm some like like don't think I'm some kind of like thirsty girl who's coming over and trying to like move in with you or, or, you know, I mean, she, she might've been kind of like trying to keep him like dangle the carrot a little bit with Mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how I read it is like, she's, she's kind of trying to keep a little bit of distance and a little bit like, I'm breezy. I'm cool. It's fine. Like, Oh, this isn't a big deal. Mm -hmm. I didn't see it as like her being aggressive. And so you have some pretty dramatically different all of his perceptions all of his, like competing all of no- with each other all of his nose and like no you didn't like with like smiles and laughs yeah it seems like they're just being really light and flirty and jokey it doesn't seem yeah. like you know she's being like duplicitous or something and like that's how he's making her he's trying to make her look like that by saying that and it's just like i don't i don't buy it i don't think that she was being duplicitous i think she was being trying to be light and breezy to kind of protect herself from mm-hmm things getting too serious so so the big meta question that comes to mind for me is okay so people go on here go on the bachelor go into the franchise and if we're being honest if if we let our cynical sides take over finding love is kind of motivation number three or four on their list for a lot of them it's to get a, a quick burst of fame or to help boost another career like owning a tequila brand or having a really mediocre music career um shout out to jed i'll be a mr right girl <laughs> no no you won't <laughs> never again uh so um so you're getting on the show to be famous okay so where does the the line get drawn because this happens in reality shows a lot where you put yourself out there you know that the production team is going to edit you any which way they want and you and you get fame and it might be positive and it might be negative and then you start getting the heat on social media is it fair or is it unfair that your privacy gets messed with a little bit is isn't that kind of like at what point is it like look dude this is what you asked for and then and then after this line gets crossed like hey that wasn't cool you need to respect their privacy like isn't this whole blow up with the texts with Kaylin and, and Blake, isn't this kind of, is it part of the game or is it kind of an unfair blowback, you know? Well, it's really difficult because what social media does is it creates an entire meta context for what's happening on the show. So nobody asked for it, but Cam actually had a decent point when he said that you know if you want to go on the show and things go well for you maybe you shouldn't go to stagecoach or maybe you should like not be on instagram beforehand because it'll create 
it'll it'll just feed into that meta context war and complicate things. And he's right. And I don't know if it's realistic to expect people to do that, but it it is what fuels these tensions and complicates things a lot more than they used to be complicated. And so I think we're seeing with this season that there is no privacy if you engage within kind of like the Bachelor cast network that you are relinquishing privacy for that information. Not to say that you don't have privacy on social media with just, you know, like your cousin or something, but if you're going to be talking to former castmates and and, and engaging in that, I do think that there's sort of this unspoken agreement that like you're sacrificing some of your some of your rights and some of your um your privacy. And I think that that is borne out by publications like Us Weekly or um, Reality Steve is like a really big spoiler generator and uh-huh. provides a lot of uh, kind of insider, like he airs a lot of insider knowledge. And so, yeah, I mean, I I think that the this cast is like a really good case study actually in how that goes should you decide to socialize and and do social media communications within bachelor nation so when i i like to run kind of thought experiments in my head and to basically start with a premise and as go and and basically you know bash it up against a wall and kind of see what happens and so like um my first reaction to this question was that as long as it's within the confines of the show it's what you signed up for so it's all, all is fair within the confines of the show, but then when you start posting stuff on social media, that's not the case. But but when I think about that, I think, well, wait a minute. A lot of things happen in the confines of the show. We only see what's edited and what's picked out way after the fact. And that presents repercussions for these people. They're not just characters on a the show. They're actual people. And so people like, for example, uh, Caitlin, uh, several seasons back, gets slut-shamed uh, not because she had sex, but because she had sex before Fantasy Suite Week, which is against the rules. So it's just this weird kind of, you know, silly, uh, unspoken rule of the show. And as I've said before, in her defense, she was in Dublin and had just seen the Cranberries perform live for her while she danced. It was like a, a private concert in Dublin. It's, it's, a, it's an aphrodisiac right there. She had no choice. Anyway, so so then... The way things get edited, you're basically letting yourself be a character on a show. Like you're no longer just a person; you're now part of a brand, which is kind of the I think the ugly truth about the whole thing. Like, so I, I've been part of a little recording for a reality situation. I I did uh, a set of cocktails that I designed for a promotion for Kristen Cavallari back in February, and I designed a, a document saying basically anything that's recorded. Uh, in this in this session that you do anything you say anything you do we have the right to do whatever you want with it your actions while on screen or while you have a microphone attached to you is part of our property so it's kind of like you signed it therefore all's fair and then if these blow-ups happen online I part of me thinks it's just that's part of the game and so it's unfortunate and I wish we as a society would do better. 
I just don't feel that bad for anyone on this show because their motives are basically to be famous. That's what they want is to be famous. And, and well, you're going to get it. And I don't know. I'd, lo- I'd love to hear people's thoughts on this. Um, yeah, you're going to get famous whether it's positive or negative fame. And that's what you agreed to. And that's that's a hard lesson, I'm sure, for some of them. The other thing it makes me think about, too, and you saw this with uh, Becca season uh, with the blow up with uh, the blow up with with Garrett and how he basically had like liked and and said yes or said he liked things um, that were kind of uh, tasteless, uh, either sexist or or something like that uh, on Instagram. And and so this had came to light during the, the broadcasting of the show and they had to kind of like comment on it uh, during the. The, the, the final episode. Um, so you have kind of a precedent of basically social media affecting the show kind of in real time. And you ha- definitely have it in this case on this season with the Blake down with, uh, you know, uh, shaming of Kaylin because of those texts and that kind of stuff. And it's like, is it makes me kind of wonder, like, is, is this where entertainment is heading where it's like, you know, we talked about the prosumer thing a few episodes back. Now it's kind of like, it's become more and more a trend to basically expect the audience to interact with it in real time and to kind of backpedal when um, controversies come up or to edit in real time. You know, it's like a show is no longer a show now. A show is basically one part of a broader set of platforms. And well, and let me tell you something that really bothers me. It feels very disingenuous or as our buddy Jordan would say, disingenuine or a uh, in, in ingenuine or ingenuinity, I believe, were some of the iterations of ingenuinitus. Yes, um, which basically means false, for lack of a better explanation. I had a little wine. I'm I'm struggling with words. Anyway, um, here's what bothers me, and you see this with casting racist Lee on Rachel's season. Mm-hmm. You see this with the whole witch hunt for the social media consumption of Garrett on Becca's season. And you see it with Blake's bad behavior and the text war and all these different things uh, on this season of VIP. It really bothers me, and it seems very disingenuous, that the producers bring in these controversial elements, and then it becomes a dramatic plot point in the show to correct the bad behavior of the people through the means of the show. That's stupid. And it's it, it stuff that they brought into the show themselves. Yes, exactly. It's like, okay, well, we're going to, you know, call this person out and, like, you know, deal with their bad behavior. And it's like, okay, but, like, you're the ones who brought them here in the first place. Like, it, this wouldn't even be a thing if you didn't bring it up here. Like, maybe it's just because they can't come up with any ways to be shocking or dramatic or they think they can't without bringing like these, these really, these really serious and potentially damaging um, conflicts into the situation and then being like, okay, but we're going to, we're going to correct it. We're going to call it out. We're going to, you know, we're going to have Garrett sitting there saying, Oh yeah, I really learned a lot. Or Lee sitting there going, yeah, you know, I have a lot, I have a lot to learn. And, um, and it, it and it results because here's what bothers me. All it results in are these fake 
apologies like what right. blake game like it's it, nobody's right. actually growing or learning here they're just right. trying to save face and they're just going like well yeah i have a lot to learn or i'm so sorry you feel that way or yeah it's unfortunate like even with i mean we officially we like him but jpj that was really really pathetic when he was like yeah it was re- it was unfortunate it was unfortunate that it happened it's like it happened because you engaged in these conflicts in a terrible terrible way mm-hmm. because you behave badly and yeah. so it's you know that's all it results in and I'm I'm not a big fan of arguing for sport. I and one of the reasons I don't like just debating people in a bar or something is because usually what happens, well usually what happens is people get really mad and are unreasonable because they've been drinking, but let's say take alcohol out of the equation. Let's say you're just arguing That's no fun. <laughs> right. But uh you probably wouldn't get in an argument if if alcohol was taken out of the equation. I, I'd find a way. <laughs> but um oftentimes when you debate somebody People just get more entrenched in what they thought already and mm-hmm. they just get their feelings hurt. And it's mm-hmm. like, and it's not to say that like you should never argue. Of course you should argue about things if it matters to you. But I'm just saying I've never seen anybody really like transform because they were brought onto The Bachelor with some kind of controversial position and then called to the carpet in some dramatic fashion. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, and, and then it's super awkward because it's like, then there's some like, ad for some new series on ABC shoehorned into it. So it's right. like... Hey, speaking of controversial, Stumptown, wow, that's going to be all yes. hot button. You know? Kobe Smulders is going to be sw- sweating with anxiety <laughs> more than Blake for <laughs> slut-shaming Kalen. You know, it's like, what? Like, <laughs> there's, this is a very uh, abrupt uh, transition here. Yeah. And Chris Harrison's a pro, but nobody could segue that, yeah, poor guy. that he's, smoothly. He's having to, to, to sing for a supper with that one. Um, yeah. But no, it's just... Okay, so... What frustrates me is the topics that are being broached when they have these kinds of situations, like Garrett being uh, tasteless in his Instagram consumption or having these uh, very racially unfortunate um, posts from, from Lee or just, just the stuff that gets brought up when you have Demi and Christian on as a, as a lesbian couple. Like, the, these are... Uh, pretty involved social questions that we as a society are kind of wrestling with in, in a very um, kind of fireworksy kind of way lately. And they're valid, they're valid topics and they deserve our attention. However, the, the medium is the message. And if you basically shoehorn these topics into a medium, into a format like Bachelor or BIP, you're not giving it the validity or the respect that that issue deserves. You're basically going, all right, so we're going to basically solve this problem in five minutes and then we're going to move on to bloopers. Yeah, and I know I'm like a broken record here recommending Ali Barthwell of Vulture. She's fantastic um, in her recaps of these shows. But during the I like your hat uh, shaman date that <laughs> Demi and Christian went on, um, when when recapping that particular date, Ali Barthwell's comment was, these sound like uh, topics that you should talk to a therapist about, not to each other on a date on Bachelor in Paradise. Right, right, right. Which is not to say that, like, you know, I mean, it's their prerogative to, to talk about their stuff on the show that they all agreed to and right. so on and so forth. But it, it it's uncomfortable to to talk through these real emotional life impacting yeah. things 
on this show in a in a short segment. I mean, this whole show is. I mean, it came out in what two thousand two. I want to say something like that. Um. Well, with the, the Bachelor, with Alex Michelle, the most eligible Bachelor in America. Uh-huh. Um, he went to Harvard, <laughs> but um. Anyway, the whole thing is predicated on this very formulaic fairy tale storybook romance idea. And also also kind of an underlying cynical uh, cynicalness, cynicism to it as well actually. Like look at these people who are willing to like throw themselves at this billionaire. Yeah, right? isn't this crazy? Like all these women are so desperate that they'll go on these these dates just because it's so hard to find a man, you know. I mean, it's it's the whole franchise is predicated on cliches, and that's fine. It's funny. It's a little campy. It's a little silly. It's reality TV. It's mm-hmm. fine. So this new like turn that the show has taken to be like a very special episode where we're gonna tackle these important topics and digging is very very uncomfortable to watch because i don't think i don't think anyone on any side of the camp whether you're like far 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 like right like maga or if you're far 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 left like you know a woke you know liberal liberal arts college student i don't think no matter where you are in that political spectrum you're happy with with the resolution that the show presents because or it, as Chris Harrison being the one who is like helping them navigate through these things. It just feels like they're being sold so short on what they, from, you know, what they need to like actually talk through these issues. And I think, and I think what, what's, I'm going to look this up later. So someone online, if I'm, if I'm ta- talking out of my ass, you know, please correct me online at cheers to that pod at Instagram. Hey yo, and uh, and tell me if I'm wrong. But from what I understand, the ratings have been going downhill for a while, and that might be because of technology and people are watching after the show via streaming, or it might just be because people are just tuning out. And my theory is, because they're getting more and more politically charged and more and more heated, people are turning away because they go to this show because it's it's just. A little larger than life is kind of ridiculous. It's candy. It's escapism. It's it, it's yeah. It's it's larger than life. It's candy. It's 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 escapist. It's like look at these people do these crazy things. It's that's I feel like that that's the heart of the show, and to have Chris Harrison literally saying "Love wins" uh, during a segment, it's like, it, it just smacks of trying so hard. And it's like the whole premise of the show is you could say from a certain perspective, it's kind of regressive. It's, it, it enforces certain stereotypes. So it's like, but just by being you, you're, you're kind of uh, contradicting what you're trying to accomplish, you know? And I understand them wanting to, you know, keep up with the times and wanting to like keep in step with some of the things that are going on in popular culture and in, in the, the zeitgeist and in, in the, the discourse that's very commendable. And I wish that they had, taken some of their own advice and gotten Mike Johnson to be the first black bachelor. Yeah, no kidding. Good grief. However, you know, Pilot Pete and his windmills, I'm sure will be lovely. I think he's just the, the, the safest choice. I wish, man, Derek or Mike, but mostly Mike would have been so good and, and, and people would have loved it. So good. However, they didn't take their own advice. And this whole thing of opting instead to have like these, these fabricated dramas based on, you know, hot button issues or or these uh contrived tensions between people that are maybe 
present good TV for five minutes, but represent something that is really deeply sensitive and very deeply personal to a lot of people, to, to the people involved. It just seems kind of irresponsible and lazy at best right. and uh, dangerous and trauma-inducing at worst. Like, so for us personally, so Stephanie and I are gasp. We're, we're Christians. And so we're looking at the Hannah G season and, and this kind of like discussion around faith uh, between Hannah and Luke P is um, for, a, for a Christian who, who takes the Bible seriously and takes doctrine seriously and, and wants to be you know honest about their faith, it presents a lot of problems. Both both Hannah, I said Hannah G, I meant Hannah B. Both Hannah based uh, perspective on faith and Luke P's. They're both kind of uh, tricky either way you slice it. And so it's like it's hard to be a Christian and watch this kind of drama unfold and be like, no, 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 you're both missing it in in some way. And so that's how I feel from in you know in from my community. For someone else out there who maybe has experienced racism or experienced um, sexism or experienced, you know, um, being shamed for being out, like like Demi was sharing, like, uh, would love to hear from you if you felt like you were being accurately represented by this show or not. My guess is that you weren't. I feel like it was, it was very, all these issues are very rushed, and I, I just wish the show to get back to its roots back to being campy, back to being funny, uh, back to making it more about the relationship and not about broader topics because it just makes people want to watch something else. It, that's what I'm kind of gathering uh, in terms of the, the broader viewership. Of course, there's nerds like us who will talk about it and watch it no matter what because we're losers, but um, we're not the ones who are going to be buying what's being presented. We're not going to be watching Stumptown, let's just say that. This fall on ABC. Yeah. Okay. Well, it looks like we. I think we've beaten that horse to death. Um. I think we've we've covered all the bases. Let's um. Let's move into. Uh. Let's be a little more introspective here. Okay. So this is our first foray into podcasting. We're seven episodes in. Uh. It was kind of a whirlwind. Um. Trying to cover two two-hour episodes a week. Um. As a, as our very first podcasting project. How do you feel we did? What do you What did you learn? Oh, what did I learn? Um, I learned that coming up with a toast is really not that hard. So um, I'm not going to let Hannah Bass to get off the hook for that one on Colton season. Um, I learned that many of the people who go home on night one of a season of The Bachelor or The Bachelorette usually did so for a reason. They're boring. <laughs> Um, yeah. I learned that. Well, oh yeah, Matt Donald wasn't on the. the no, he was. Well, he, I don't remember. Well, if he was, he didn't say anything. Yeah, I I, I can't I can't remember. Um, no, I, no Rivian either. Surprise. Right or Chase or yeah, there was there were several people missing. Mm-hmm. I learned that Wells thinks he's funnier than he is. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> um. The content of your jokes did not match the bravado with which you delivered them most of the time, at least from what we saw. And I learned that as much as I really would like to go to a beach in Mexico, I would really prefer a place that had air conditioning because they got very sweaty. And very pink. Yes. I would be under those palapas with my 50 sunscreen on. Uh, Yeah, no kidding. So... Um, 
it's been it's been a wild ride. Um, we've gotten a lot of feedback from people we didn't expect to get feedback from. A lot of support. Do you want to keep doing this? I think so, and I I think we should say too we we've, we've been a little hard on the show tonight. We do love this franchise with all of its shortcomings, and that's why we like digging into it because it really is a franchise that showcases people who are sort of clumsily trying to get their moment in the sun and that's just entertaining and they're doing it under the guise of trying to find true love and going on these ridiculous dates and uh there's just a lot to unpack there and it's it's really fun so we don't we don't hate you bachelor franchise and especially bachelor in paradise we really love uh it's it's almost like an all-star game or a mm-hmm. or or an alumni reunion or something of sorts, and so it's it's a lot of fun. And this was a great season, and uh, it was a lot of fun to to both recap and analyze together. For me, uh, for me, it's like um, Bachelor and Bachelor adjacent shows are kind of the last big mainstream pop culture show that a lot of people watch. Like you know, you'll find pockets of people who are like, oh man, I love. Like, we love Survivor, yeah. but hardly anybody we know watches it. Yeah. But, like, you'll find people who, who pockets people who, oh, man, I love Game of Thrones. Oh, I haven't seen Game of Thrones. Or, or Terrace House or Westworld or... Yeah. But this is the one show where it's like, oh, you watch Bachelor? Me too. Like, basically, someone from across the bar will go, oh, didn't you see? And it's, it's kind of like one of those last... It's one of the last water cooler shows. Yeah. You can have an immediate point of connection with somebody just by saying, like, can you believe Matt Donald kept talking about his mom? Yeah, and so like, and and because it's because it's one of those last mainstream, almost monocultural shows, and it presents some very specific views on certain things. It becomes a really fun thing to dive into when it, if you want to study culture and study values, you know. Um, so it's 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 fun. I look forward to seeing what happens with uh, Captain Windmill Pants himself, and. Um, what we're going to learn there um something to expect from us yeah it's not going to be until january that we come back officially but we want to keep the conversation going uh, we're definitely going to be slowing down during the season uh steph and i have a, have a several full plates uh, a whole buffet of full plates not the least of which is our just over one year old baby who is running now it feels like and surprisingly pretty demanding of our time uh turns out what a diva. But we still want to chime in. We're going to uh, have some special episodes here and there. We want to uh, do some deep dives on some of the characters that make this show so famous, uh, as well as a few of the controversies. So we'll pop in here and there, and we'll let you guys know on Instagram uh, in advance. So if you haven't started following us yet, please do. Uh, we're at Cheers to That Pod on Instagram. On SoundCloud, we're at soundcloud.com slash cheers to that podcast. You can also send us an email at cheers to that pod at gmail.com. And if you have any ideas about topics you would like us to discuss, please drop us a line at any of the aforementioned platforms, and we would love to hear from you and dive into the fun topics that you suggest. Do you want you want us to uh, do a deep dive on Luke P? Do you want us to do a deep dive on Olivia or Chad? or Jed, uh, let us know. Um, we'd love to you know, take up the challenge and, and see what we find. Um, but until then, it's been a wild ride. Thanks for doing it with us. Thanks for sharing in the journey. A journey to find love in the most dramatic season ever. <laughs> until next time, guys. Uh, cheers. Cheers. <laughs>